0: This is Sharpening Iron. I'm Bennett Williamson, a Protestant photographer. And I'm Jeremy Pope, a Catholic filmmaker. And this is a conversation about pursuing Christ in our art. Well, Jeremy, it's, it's great to see you today. It's uh, nice to see you. It's been a little while. Yeah, it has. I know nobody else can see us because of the podcast, but I'm looking into your dreamy eyes. And the eyes of... What saint is that behind you? That is St. Stephen. First martyr. Oh yeah, yep, martyred by an apostle. No, well, not technically. not technically, yeah, but... He was on the scene. Anyways, uh, great to talk to you again. Really looking forward to our conversation uh, today. Uh, We're going to be talking about uh, kind of pro-life, but starting from uh, a YouTube video I watched uh, this last week, and I sound so dated, YouTube video. I feel like the Facebook or something. Uh, anyways. Uh, but is that on uh, the on the World Wide Web? It is. It is. No, I'll give you the 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 URL, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and you can look at it. Um, yeah, it is on the World Wide Web. Anyways, but I thought it'd be good, uh, before we get into that, uh, just to kind of give everybody listening a chance to hear what's kind of gone on in our life since the last time we talked. So, Jeremy, what's... Where are you and uh, what are you doing right now? It's a whole different
1: world now. Moved to Arizona, had another child, have two more children currently on the way. We have a big house, a new job, new opportunities, new ministries, about to graduate with my
0: MFA in screenwriting, all kinds of stuff's going on. What about you? Uh, nothing that crazy. About half of what's going on in your life. I have one kid on the way. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I'm proud of it. I don't need, you know, I don't need a dozen kids like you. It's not a competition. Um, we're just trying to overrun the world with Catholics. That's, uh, hey, we're exactly. But, no, I love big families. I grew up in homeschooled church with big families, and we'll see how many of the Lord blesses us, us with. But, yeah, so... Uh yeah my son is on the way by the time this podcast is out it'll probably be a month month to the day uh May 24th uh so super super <laughs> excited for that that's going to be that's going to be pretty incredible um I, me and my wife are st- not too far away from the last time we podcasted we're in Salem uh she is just about to graduate she's graduating Uh, I think May 1st with her bachelor's degree. Uh, Right now, what's up? Nothing. Keep going. I will. Uh, Yeah, so right now I'm actually driving for Amazon uh, doing that four days a week and that's been a really, really great opportunity for me to just, I think, take some time to seek the Lord and just listening to podcasts throughout the day. I know you get to do that at your job too. And it's been a great opportunity to, to really dig into some subjects like the Reformation that, you know, have been really, really good. Um, as well as just listening to scripture and worship music. So that's been, that's been a really edifying time. And it's been nice to kind of be active, burn some calories and, and all of that. So, uh, yeah, right now we're praying about moving, uh, to Boise, Idaho, and so I plan for work, uh, and having some interviews out there, so exciting, exciting things there, excited to see what, what, uh, what doors the Lord might open, so, yeah, that's what's going on.
1: Always good, I always prefer, as you know, the times of change, and the times of I don't know what's next, and I don't know what's going on,
0: those are always, I prefer to live there, and I know that's not the normal consensus, but. And I mean, I think, that is the case, whether or not you recognize it, that we are always in. Yeah. Like the, the uh, I forget what book it's in, but where I think it's Paul who says, you know, today we will go and do the. No, it's not. That's Jesus. <laughs> don't say uh, tomorrow we'll go to such and such and place and do business. Uh, instead, say if the Lord wills, like no matter what our lives, we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. But yeah, especially in these seasons of transformation, where it's like, you know, for me, my son's on the way, and that's going to change our family in a big way. And that's just something you just have to trust the Lord with. That He's going to step in and provide, like He always has, in ways that I don't see where that's gonna, what that's going to look like. That's absolutely uh, a place where faith is grown and where you depend on it. I love that as well. Well, awesome. Should we get right into it then? I think so. Pro life, one of my favorite things to talk about. So, yeah, absolutely. So, pro life has kind of been something you and I have talked about. I mean, you can't talk to Jeremy for very long without getting into pro life, and I love that. Um, So, throughout our friendship, we definitely had conversations about it. Um, But, kind of what struck me uh, while we're recording this podcast uh, is there's a, a as I mentioned, a, a YouTube, a video on the YouTube uh, that really stuck out to me. And uh, maybe you've seen it or not. It's uh, by a YouTuber who uh, was a NASA physicist and engineer. His name is Mark Rober. And uh, he's a really, really amazing channel. He does like, in just the world of YouTube, on a separate note, I love his approach where he's not a really... A, like a content creator, in, in in much of the sense, he makes like one he one video a month. He schedules them out years in advance. They take just a lot of thoughtful preparation. So, uh, really interesting guy. And so you know, whenever his one video a month comes out, I love sitting down to learn whatever he's got going on. Uh, and the last video he made was really interesting. Really struck me. Uh, the title was "The Truth About My Son." Uh, I was like, "Wow, that's interesting." That he usually does like more sciencey things. Uh, and kind of the premise of the video is it it just kind of telling the story of his son a little bit, and kind of being a voice for the value of children with special needs, or people with special needs in general, I think. Uh, but I think what struck me as I watched this video is just kind of seeing this father who knows that his autistic son has value and worth, even if, it's, even if he doesn't have like a, a special gifting uh, at anything in particular. Like he talks about one of his friends who has the ability, to, uh, who's also autistic and can tell you the day of the week of any date in history. Um, and so he says, like, my son doesn't really have this, any special talent like that. Uh, but throughout the video, he's trying to express, I think, w- why his son's life is really valuable. Uh, so I wanted to to kind of read some of the, the lines that really stood out to me. Uh, and I apologize because there's... Uh, Uh, quite a few lines here, but I think it's, I think it's pretty insightful into our culture and into kind of where our culture stands on pro-life. So yeah, so here's what he says. Uh, Our son does, does have a remarkability. Although if you see him in public, this ability isn't immediately apparent. It has to do with how he spends his free time at home by himself. When he first meets someone, he'll ask important questions like, what's your favorite color? I think that's one of the first things I asked Jeremy. And if your house has stairs, then the first chance he gets, he'll make you a full-page mural completely covered in about two pounds of your favorite crayon color. And he'll write you a personal letter on the back. Uh, As you can see, he takes this job pretty seriously. So we're constantly running out of envelopes and stamps. What's so remarkable to see as his parents is how people become, uh, when they get one of his letters... And the letters themselves certainly aren't a literary masterpiece, but people know that they mean something special coming from from him. Most kids are 12 years, when they're 12 years old, uh, they get home from school and they're on their phones and thinking about themselves and how to look cool. But his biggest thrill is interacting with others. His superpower is making other people happy. So that's kind of his... kind of how he talks about his son and what his son's superpower is. Uh, And here's how he kind of summarizes how he, like his worldview almost in a sense. He says, regardless of your religious or political beliefs or your favorite sports team or any other way we like to divide ourselves into tribes, I think we can all agree that a successful life is one where you leave the world better than you found it sort of a net positive effect due to your influence for the rest of their lives. People with special needs uh, ground the rest of us and demonstrate the simple joys life can offer. With our hectic schedules and task lists, they remind us that things don't have to be complicated. I think of him and his special needs buddies and everyone else out there like them are giants living living amongst us mere mortals. End quote. So I think after this video, I just I was really touched by it. I think I still am, and I wanted to agree with his message. And I think I think I do agree in general with what he's trying to get at. Um, But I want to go further. I want to say what is a. I think the Christian faith has a lot more to say about where uh, value where somebody's value in life comes from. Um, And just maybe as a caveat, if I was a Christian on YouTube, I might even make a video like Mark Rober if my audience was as diverse as his, and I could appreciate what he's doing of just kind of putting a spotlight on the autistic community and saying there's value no matter where you come from. Um, And and that's great. Uh, But I think there's kind of opportunity to think and reflect on, uh, not just accept this, but say, from a Christian worldview, where does his son's value really come from? Uh, so, yeah, Jeremy, as you kind of are, as I just read that to you, what are, what's kind of your first reaction to it? Is it uh, agree to, to kind of say... I'm with you on that or to kind of distance yourself from that you
1: know I think it's really funny a lot of people would say not just how people would view the Christian faith in general they it's it's like kind of surface level everybody's like smiling and we love Jesus and that's about it there's no real substance to Christianity and that that is demonstrably false Christianity and the Christian faith in general has so much more to say than, like, it, most people would look at this and they'd be like, that's so profound, that's really deep, that is something that we can all get behind. And yes, absolutely, that is something that we can all get behind. Every human life has so much value in this world. But, it, like, special needs, I think that's something that a lot of, that the Catholic community really does well is is not only on just the pro-life movement in general, but in the the special needs community is a part of that pro-life movement to say that every single human life has intrinsic value because the title of this episode, they're made in the imago Deo, the image of God because and I mean you hear that that's like the Christian buzzword of why we have value but if you start to unpack that who is God what is he doing why is why do we say that we're made in his image you can take this and run with it for, you could just sit in a cave and think about I'm made in the image of God for the rest of your life. And you wouldn't even begin to unpack what all that means. And people have tried to do that. People have started doing that work over the last 2000 years of Christianity, but I think it's only beginning. And I think people intrinsically latch on to the value of that message, but without a real substantial faith background and understanding of what the Christian gospel teaches, they don't even begin to scratch the surface of what this actually means. So, I mean, I think it's it's a standard secular start into a topic that's so
0: much bigger than most people even imagine. Absolutely. Yeah, I think I think that's a, that was kind of similar to my reaction of, yes, we can all get it behind that, but there's so much more there uh, to unpack than just kind of... Uh, you know, we can all get behind the message of, yeah, we all want to leave the world a better place. Um, but even that, I think part of me was a little concerned when I hear that because it's attaching, uh, the value of my life to the the value I bring to the world in some way. And I think, yeah, Every human life, it, you know, God has a plan for every life, and it it is meant to make an impact, and we are meant to have a positive influence in the world uh, for sure. But like, let's take, for example, and maybe we're getting ahead of ourselves here, but what about somebody who is a, uh, you know, a vegetable who's literally brain dead, born brain dead, or becomes brain dead throughout their life? Uh, what about them? Where does their value uh, come from? And so, I think that was part of like what started to become concerning to me in in this kind of understanding. Um,
1: but if, if you look at it and just say there's a brain dead person, if you if you take it out of the perspective, out of an eternal perspective, you can easily dismiss that person and say, oh, he doesn't really matter. They're gonna die, and it's okay. Well, I'll forget about him, and that, that's that. But in the Christian perspective, even the brain-dead person has just as much intrinsic value and so much more than we could even imagine as anybody else in the world, because that person has an eternal soul that is going to be united with the living God for all of eternity, and he's going to be even more alive after he dies than, than even we are right now. And then even more so in the resurrection when our souls are united to our body again in a perfect way, the way that God originally intended, and we get to live in this perfect state for all the rest of eternity. There's so much more value in a human soul than just what they can achieve on this earth. And there's another thing that I think the... The Catholic perspective specifically and it's kind of a, a matter of contention between Catholics and Protestants in some ways but the Catholic doctrine tells us that in God existence and essence are that they're indistinguishable in God so I think the Protestant perspective of that, so God is another being, God is separate from us and like we don't were completely separated. In the Catholic perspective, God, you could say he is existence itself. He is the fundamental piece of reality. So... Out of, out, out of God, everything springs forth. So by your very existence, by your very nature, you participate in the life of God. That's not to say that you are God in some way. You are totally separate from God, and e- even more so by our sin, we are separated from God. But in a way, just by the fact that you exist, you participate in the very life of God, and everything that He intends to exist is inherently good, and Evil is anything that takes away from that. So because of the way that we've corrupted the world, evil has taken away from... So that's why we have people who are brain dead. That's why we have people who have, quote-unquote, defects like like autism, like my own son who died because of the problems that he had in his body. That's uh, Ultimately, we all have to uh, put asunder, in a way of speaking, our body and our soul to be reunited with God before we can come back again into perfection. But with that perspective in mind, every single human life, every single thing around you has intrinsic value because it is a participant in the very life of God. And that's, I mean, if you, if you see yourself in that light, just by the very fact that you exist, you are so valuable. The world is a better place because you're here, because you exist. No matter what you do, the world is a better place because God is using you for whatever purpose he has for your life. And it's up to you to, to accept the gift that he wants to give you and make the world a better place because he wants that for you, because he created you with this design in mind. I
0: think, like, to go off of what you said of, you know, we are, uh, how do you say it? Made out of, not made out of, we participate in the life of God by existing. Uh, everything that exists is, you know, created ex nihilo, out of nothing. God God is responsible for, for all that is. Uh, and all that he has created is good. Sin is, you know, we can agree is, is a perversion of something good. It's not a, it's not, uh, it's not so, It's not something itself. It's not a substance. It's a perversion or twisting of what God has originally created good. Yeah, and Thomas Aquinas
1: says that all evil is something that's lacking to the perfect perfection of a thing. So anything that's evil, what this thing was created for this purpose and it is good, anything that's sinful or evil is something that takes away from the particular purpose which it was created. Right. And if you look at it in that light, you can can see why when you're told to repent of your sins, we're not saying you're a bad person. We're saying we want the best for you because being in this, participating in this life of of God in the way that he intends is good. And the best way that you can live your life is is in relation to the good rather than doing something that takes away from your very existence, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think even on like the subject of, uh, you know, we've been kind of heady, high level right here for a few minutes on what is good, the nature of good and evil. But that actually really matters and ties into subjects like where does somebody's value come from if they're autistic? Uh, so autism, you know, like we talked about, like that's a uh, an effect of the brokenness of nature, of where sin has come into this world and broken then the way that things were meant to be The created natural order of them so does somebody's do do you lose uh, the fact that you're made in the image of God if there's a a brokenness in, in that like we can look at somebody who's autistic or brain dead which are effects and falls of the sin but from a Christian perspective that doesn't change the fact that you're made in the image of God at all. And in fact it even
1: enhances a lot, in a lot of ways the, our participation in the Christian life. And this is something not to get heady and and up in the clouds again a little bit, but this is something that I've been stu- studying about the nature of suffering and why do we suffer and what what the point of that is. It's I mean a lot of people say that that's the best argument against the existence of God is the existence of evil and that the fact that people suffer. But I would I would push and I'd say that's the best evidence we have for God because we are broken. We are the ones who take away from the participation of the fullness of life that God wants to give to every human person. And he uses that for an even greater purpose because he allows us to suffer the healing that it takes to get back into union with him. And what I mean by that is, think about when you break a bone, right? That is an evil thing. The perfect, the perfection of a bone is to be whole. When you break it, the healing process of that brokenness and healing back to something whole again costs you immensely. It's a lot of suffering. It's really difficult to go through. But that healing process, what happens to the bone afterwards? It's stronger. In the same way, when we break our relationship with the Lord, the suffering of the healing process that we have to go through ultimately is death. Every person has to die in order to heal this relationship with God. But I think if you just look at the nature of how the world exists, how this suffering, even in this life can suffering can bring us closer to God, because I mean, look at suffering is what brought God closest to us. So when we suffer, that healing process is a healing process. It's not suffering in the, to make things worse. It's a healing process that unites us to Christ on the cross who died for us so that we could be He came into the suffering to join us in it. He didn't just say I have a better plan. He said this sucks, and I'm going to do it with you so that we can be together again. That's the Christian message. That's the gospel. And so when these things, types of things like autism, these things that we suffer, it's really easy to say, how could God exist if he's letting this happen to us? And I think if you just look at Christ on the cross for a few minutes, you'll see not how could God exist, but wow, God is going to use this suffering for something even greater that I can't even imagine. And He's there doing it with me. It's not I'm alone. He's right here with me, suffering it with me. And I
0: think that's the beauty of the Christian message. Yeah. It's interesting you bring up you know uh, the problem of evil. I was just listening to uh, a biography on C.S. Lewis. Uh, really, really interesting. But uh, one of the things that stood out to me in his own... Uh, coming to, coming to faith, uh, he was, uh, why am I blanking on the word? What's somebody who doesn't believe in God? An atheist. An atheist. (laughs) Uh, he was an atheist and that was one of the strongest arguments for him that kept him from, uh, coming to Christ. And, uh, eventually he realized the same thing that you kind of articulated. The problem of evil, uh, isn't the greatest argument against God. it's, You actually can't explain uh, how you understand what evil is unless there's a God. Uh, How do you understand what is broken and what we all know to be uh, broken and wrong so deep down unless there's somebody who writes that law on our hearts? Um, So yeah, just to kind of bounce off. That point, And that's a really, that's a really intellectual response, which
1: is really helpful for a lot of people. Yeah. But I found the best way to articulate it is to show people the emotional impact of, of what, what does that mean? <laughs> and I definitely the greatest suffering I've ever been through in my life was when my son died and i mean talk about I, some people say that's the greatest suffering that a human can endure is seeing their child die i definitely agree with that and that's not something that i just go and say easily but the beauty of the christian message isn't god standing back and saying don't worry there's a, it's going to be all it's going to be all right in the end you're going to you're going to be better for this don't worry but no he steps down into our lives and he says, me too. And that is the, that is what it means. It doesn't mean he knows that there's something better going on. He says, me too. I suffer just as much as you do. I want to be with you. And this is the only way to make it happen. And that's the Christian message. So a lot of people, you know, people say, God knows that there's a better plan for this suffering and that's not good enough for them. That's not good enough for me either. But I can look at Jesus Christ on the cross, and I can relive those moments when I was in my deepest despair, and that's when I know I was closest to the Lord, because He is in His deepest despair when He is closest to us as well. And that's ultimately what unites us to the Lord. So that is the greatest argument for the existence of God that that I've ever heard is not, is the problem of evil.
0: That's the greatest argument for the existence of God, I think.
1: Hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I, I. one of the other passages that kind of stands out to me on that that I've gone back to in my life has been um, the Lord chastises, you know, those who are his, his every father chastises his son, like when we suffer, God is allowing that in our life, not for evil, but for good, like suffering, pain, evil in this world is redeemed through Christ. You know what? In you know Joseph's story, what man meant for evil, God meant for good. Uh, in Romans, you know He works all things together for the good of those who love Him. Ultimately Christ.
1: But think about, think about that analogy though. He is chastising us for this evil for a good purpose like a good father. But think about it, who suffers more? The son that commits the evil or the father that has to watch his son over and over fall into some vice or some addictive behavior or something like that. The father is just burning with love saying please, this is not what's best for you. I want what's best for you. And sometimes it takes a chastisement in order for him to come to the realization of, man, I'm really messed up. And I think all of us can agree, can agree, me, for the first one to say it, I'm really messed up. I need a savior. I need a dad. And that is, that's the point. You're not being chastised because God is a tyrant on the throne. He is a loving Father. He suffers because of the the things that you offend him with, just as any father
0: suffers by the evil committed by his son. That's the point. <laughs> yeah. And as believers, like we're not even suffering in like the like in a judicial sense of paying our debt. Like I think so many people have that understanding of God of uh, you know this kind of scale and God's a a judge saying you have to do this many good works uh, to make up for the bad things that you've done in your life and instead as believers like no Christ has paid it all when we are even like chastised for uh by god for sins in our lives those natural those consequences of our wrongdoing aren't because uh you know god is operating on a kind of hand for a hand eye for our eye uh sense it's out of love it's out of a heart of a dad who says no this thing is causing you harm the sin that you're addicted to this sin that you're holding on to this sin that you keep doing is causing you harm and as a father i love you enough to to do whatever it takes to to cut that sin out of your your life. So thank goodness for that, that suffering.
1: And I think you know I've. That's I'm not saying all. I'm not trying to enhance or point out the the catholic protestant difference but that was when i was a protestant and that was the thing was like christ paid our debt so that we don't have to no 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 that's not what happened jesus christ entered into our brokenness in order to be reunited with us it was a gift of his love yes it pays our debt for our sin he takes on that punishment that we deserve but in a much bigger sense it's not a judicial this needs to happen because you sinned. It's what it's going to take for us to be reunited. I'll do anything. That's the Christian message of hope. That's that's something that I'm not saying every Protestant says says it in the judicial light of God is a judge with a hammer. Saying, no, this is how it needs to be. In a sense, that's the truth. In the sense, it does need to be rendered to the perfect order that God created. But it is a in a... It's a the love of God, not the punishment of God that pays for our sins and, and reunites us with Him.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Fundamentally, uh, it is God is love and the cross is you know no greater love has any man than this than he lay down his life for his friends. That, that about is what Christ is. No, that's no greater
1: love than this. We are suffering together. I will suffer for you. That's love. That is not that is not judicial that is not that is saying i want you and i will suffer for you and we can do that too we can do that for others we can say i'll take on this suffering for you the dad who has a son with autism you can give up you can say i want i just want to have an abortion and not deal with this yeah you are going to be so broken for that decision you are going to regret that decision but if you say my son is worth it and I'm going to suffer things that dads don't have to, most dads don't have to deal with raising their children. But your relationship with your son is going to be even better than mine probably is with my kids because you're willing to suffer something more that I have never had the opportunity to suffer
0: for my kids. And even, uh, I think that goes actually to a sermon that, uh, that we listen to uh, last week from John Piper, and I think the sermon title was your life, something along the lines of your life is never ruined for doing the right thing. Correct me, was it? Do you remember what it was exactly?
1: Uh, I don't, I don't
0: remember that exact quote, but that's the gist. Like that was the gist, and it was, uh, it was a yeah. pro-life uh, message, and yeah, exactly what you said. You know, when it like it, it saddens me so much you know, when somebody, I mean, just abortion as a whole, but, you know, more related to what we were just talking about of autism. When somebody says, you know, I don't want to have that life uh, of being a father and and kind of going through those difficulties. um, Like you said, yeah, there's, you're missing out on something for sure. uh, And your relationship could be just that much deeper uh, by going through that suffering together. but also, you know, just on, on that sense of, like, God can be glorified when we when we do the right thing. Like, the Bible is full of stories of God, like, m- meeting his people in the challenges they find themselves when they do the right thing. Like, when you do the right thing, God draws that much closer to you. When even when it's like, God, I don't know how I'm going to... Uh, you know, be a father. I don't know how I'm going to provide for a family. I wasn't planning on this. Um, or I wasn't, I didn't ask for having an autistic child. Like, God gives us the grace um, and so much more. So that, yeah, that that message really stood out to me and I think is a message that our culture just needs to hear of God will always be with you. Uh, and His grace is, is sufficient for the, the things that that we face especially when when that's when we face those challenges uh following the lord and i would challenge every person to participate in that
1: when when we were having our right after our 20-week ultrasound and when we were told that we were going to lose our son and this and all this they said most people would have an abortion is that what you guys want to do that's a, and immediately absolutely not you know we love this child his life has value and we kept him and for 11 more weeks until he died but you know what we could have done that and our lives would have been way worse for it but look at i mean i don't know how many people know our story and what's happened but we kept the child and we told every single person that we knew can you please pray for us this is what's going on can you help us what what like we can't do this This is too hard for us to do. We want to, we want, we need help. And you should, like, I could go on and on about the effects that that had because we did the right thing. There was, our, at, our, at the time, our church community was falling apart. There was all kinds of problems in our church. That was, in a lot of big ways, that was healed in, with people reconciled with each other. People grew in their faith. And since then, continuing to tell our story, we've had tons of people come up to us, I mean, at first, they were coming up and saying, how can you tr- how can you trust God when he's doing something like this to you? And it's like, I'm so sorry that you feel that way, but God has given us this amazing gift. And I think our lives are even better now than they would have been if Stephen had been born just like any other normal child. We wouldn't have this ministry. We've had people come up to us and say, I used to be pro-choice, but because of your story, I I am not anymore. I want to preserve life. We've had people come to the gospel because of our story. All these things could have never happened if, we didn't if one we did the wrong thing and just said this is too hard, we can't take it and it was too hard, we couldn't take it. But we said, God, you need to do this on our behalf and all these people joined together with us. All this healing happened because we not and that's not to say we we're so great. We couldn't do it. We couldn't do it on our own. We wouldn't be here today if we had to do it on our own. Stephen, you would never have heard his story if we had to do it on our own. But because he worked Through us, hundreds of people, and that's not an exaggeration, hundreds of people, their lives are immensely better because this child lived for one hour and 28 minutes in the world and had this impact on the world. So I would challenge anyone who was in the position to say, this is too difficult for me, I don't know how I'm gonna raise a child on my own or whatever the situation is, I can promise in that suffering, it's going to change your life in an amazing way if you're willing to say, I can't do this but I'm willing to let you do it on my behalf and allow God to use it for good in your life. I think every person can get behind that, and I think every person will experience the, the full goodness of their life if they're willing to allow Him to take over in their
0: life. I love, I mean, that story is, I remember the first time you kind of talked to me about that, and I mean, it's, it is really just incredible what God has Um, the plan he's had for your life and for Stephen's life and Lindsay's and your family's and uh, and yeah that is that's what really stood out to me there was something I've been thinking about a lot of our culture is just shaped by this idea of I am the captain of my ship I am the the master of my fate right? I mean, everywhere, down to the bottom level, Level, this is the message of our culture of what do you want to do with your life? Follow your passions, you know, just being a self-made man. I mean, and, and yeah, that's absolutely like the, I remember when we found out that we were pregnant and we had no, that was not part of our plan at all. I mean, I I was 20, 22. Yeah, I was 22. I keep forgetting my age. It's been a thing. Uh, and I mean, Karis was 19. We'd been married for three months. And I mean, in our mind, it was like, seems like it'd be the right time. Oh, two months. 20? She's tw- she was 20. Wow, I can't remember anybody's age. It's gonna be so bad. Very young, and we weren't planning... To, to have kids for five years. That was kind of like what we were thinking of, just kind of, yeah, that would probably make more sense. And then we find out, oh, my goodness, we're expecting. And it was just, it shook me more than I think anything else uh, has of just like this, wow, my life is being changed uh, in a dramatic way, in a way that I would have like was not part of my plan, but is obviously from God. And it's just like, wow, this totally changes the way I look at my life. And and that's the Christian life. The The, the exciting thing about the Christian life is I shouldn't be trying to be the captain of my fate from the beginning. I'm surre- In coming to faith, we're surrendering our lives to Christ, which is just to say to Recognize that they are His to begin with, that He's created us and redeemed us, we're His children, and saying, God, I want your plan for my life w- way more than whatever my plan is. And just look at
1: that. like You could have been grasping for control of your own life in a lot of ways. You could have been contracepting. You could have been doing all these things that would have like, I'm going to make sure my life is going to stay the way that I want it to be, and that's going to be the way that it's going to be. But, I mean... Here's what I'd say about that. Look at the lives of every self-made man, every person who's gone out and tried to make it on their own. Their lives are all tragically similar. They're all... I mean, look at every industry, like movie stars, rock and roll, all these. It's tragically similar. Everyone is it's never they are they're always grasping for more they always want to get to the next step get to the higher thing and all the and look at how even when we worked at the rescue mission all the stories of the homeless people and the drug addicted people tragically similar they from a young age they decided that they wanted to do it on their own they were already exposed to some kind of drugs or some kind of horrible situation and they decided I want nothing to do with God and my family and I want to figure it out on my own and it ends in a tragically similar situation where it's us kind of pursuing ourselves to the end of our rope and that's it but now look at the lives of the saints these are the people who have abandoned themselves and said I don't want anything to do with myself I just want you Lord and whatever plan you have for me that is the most diverse group of people you'll ever see in your entire life. If you study the lives of the saints, no two have the same story. No two, are because they just said, I don't have a plan for myself. Lord Jesus, you have the plan for my life, and I'm going to do whatever that is. And it look, it's... Those are the people that we look up to. Those are the people that we want to be like. Not these people that have made made it on their own and they're they're doing their own thing. Look at this amazing group of people that gave their life away for themselves. Look at Mother Teresa. She has spent her life serving the poor. She won Nobel Peace Prize. She has talked to presidents and all because she said, "I don't. I'm not going to live for myself." Look at these people who need my life more than I do. I'm gonna give it to them instead. She lived the most amazing life and she's a saint. Just look at the diversity of the saints. You won't want to live for yourself anymore if you just look at the good things that God can do th- through your life when you surrender to Him. And that's true of my own life, even though I struggle with giving myself up every day. I fail at it a lot. But I find that the best times of my life were always the times when I say, "Not, I, I don't want myself anymore, just you, Lord. Always is the
0: best time. Always. I mean, look at, this, look at the story of Scripture. It is the greatest story ever told. And who do you want to be the author of your life? You, or the one who's, who is authoring that story, the story of redemption, do you wanna be people, a part of that? People say, look at all the evil things that go on in the Bible.
1: Well, take the plank out of your eye, look at all the evil things that go on in your own life. The story of the Bible is, in spite of all this evil stuff going on, God still loves you enough to die on a cross for you. So who are you to say that God can't use you because you're too evil? Who are you to say that your situation is too difficult? You can't You can't have a child right now. You're just going to get rid of it. That child could be the next Mother Teresa. It could be the next president. could be the next St.
0: John Paul II. You don't know what the possibility of and God has. And even had. if they're not, they are made in the image of God. Even which if is they're not. Infinitely. They can be somebody who's brain dead. They don't have to... You know, be somebody that history remembers. God knows them. There, There's a couple passages I wanted to read, and I definitely don't want to miss, uh, have us miss out on.
1: Yeah, and that. one, and just a perfect example of what you're saying is Stephen, a kid who lived an hour and a half. He had no
0: business changing the world, but he did because God used him. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's what we do. I mean, that's the amazing honor that we have when... We live as Christians. Is God writes our stories, and, and His will and His His purposes in our in our lives, uh, in our lives are so much better than than the plan that we want to make for ourselves. And that's what grieves me. Is I think abortion is a, a, in large part a product of a culture that wants to have their plan for. I mean, what what's it called, right? Pro choice right it's saying i'm going to make the choices in my life and that grieves me so much uh so so much i mean i think it will hurt you more your your own choice for your selfish
1: desires will hurt you more than they'll hurt anybody else they'll hurt
0: other people don't get me wrong but they're going to hurt you even more there's a couple passages i wanted to read just to kind of get us grounded in where does this idea of imago day come from to kind of bring us back to the question we started with of you know so here's here's the here's the quote Uh, from Mark Ruber that I kind of want to come back to I think as we wrap up we can all agree that a successful life is one where you leave the world better than you found it sort of a net positive effect due to your influence Um, so that kind of worldview comes from if you can leave the world a better place Uh, and I think that I actually really appreciate that message because I hope that I hope that video with 14 million views connects with some people who uh, are sh- maybe thinking about an abortion, and it when you're committing an abortion, you're not ever even letting that person come into the world and and have an uh, impact. Like you said, you know maybe that is the next Mother Teresa. So I hope even on that level that that hits home. But uh, there's another level here of where our value and dignity come from. Uh, And I'm sure this is the same passage you would quote too. Genesis 1 uh, 26, the creation narrative. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds and the heavens uh, and over livestock and all over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. I mean, like you said, you could spend a whole lifetime pondering that mystery. Uh, What does it mean to be a creature, a created being, and yet a reflection of who God is? of love itself. And look at, I mean, one of
1: the first ways that people began to understand the Trinity was the lover, the beloved, and the love that they share. That is in every single human being. You are the image of love of the God who created the universe. Every person has the possibility to do anything whether they're brain dead whether they're autistic whether they have down syndrome anything like that there's uh hold on let me look at this there's a uh, people are all excited because iceland has almost eliminated down syndrome right but that's people are like oh that's great like people are well what happened they killed them all they had abortions. Look at this. Other, And this is from an article from CBS News. Other countries aren't lagging too far behind in Down syndrome termination rates. According to the most recent data available, the United States estimated termination rate for Down syndrome is 67%. In France, it's 77%. In Denmark, 98%. The law in Iceland permits abortion after six weeks, 16 weeks if the fetus has a deformity, and Down syndrome is included in this category. The people with Down syndrome are the happiest people I've ever met in my life. They're the most wonderful people to be around. They love people more than I love people, and I want to be like someone like that. So to say. Look at this great thing we did. We killed all these people. Well, that's not mercy. That's not love. That's not being filling out your creation. Like, you are made in the image of God. These kids are made in the image of God in ways that we don't even understand. And their brains work in ways that we don't understand. And you can see on their faces joy and love every day of their lives. How could you say that that's not worth it? But in droves, we're saying, these people just aren't worth it. We don't... But if you understand it from the Christian perspective, these people are made in the image and likeness of the God who is love itself. And they reflect it almost more than anybody else that I've ever met in my life. So I think they have value, I think they're worth it. And if
0: I have kids with Down syndrome, I will give glory to God. Amen, amen. I think, you know, breaking down that passage, I think as as people who, you know, have, you know, heard about Imago Day growing up, uh, it can almost be like, you know, water off a duck's back of uh, when we say, let us make man in our own image. Um, but why, from that passage, what does it mean to be made in the image of God, and why does that give us value? Like, why? What What does it mean to be made in the image of God? I mean... How many hours is this podcast going to be?
1: I think we said 16 hours, right? Well, to be made in the image of God, think about it. ibsum essay, existence and essence. The image of God is, first of all, by the virtue of the fact that you exist, you are a participant in the life of God. He has created you for a purpose. He has a plan for your life. And these are all Christian buzzwords, of course. But if we... Understand the root of what they actually mean, they just come alive in a way that it's as if we've, we're hearing it for the first time. But if you are created in the image of God and the Ipsum Essay, the He exists, and everything that He created is good by virtue of the fact that it exists. So, there is good that this child kid that every person every creation is good and it is up to us to live to the fullest potential of the goodness by the only by the grace of God which he freely gives can we live up to this potential but we can't be the ones to say no I'm not going to I'm not going to even give this person a chance because my situation is not what I thought it was going to be I think being created in the image of God is something that you have to ponder before you can even begin to give the full value to your own life and to the life of those around you. I mean, there's, you could, like I said, your whole life you can ponder this and n- not even scratch the surface.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think, like, what it, later in Genesis, it, You know, kind of flushes this out, but when it when it says that we're made in His image, it means that if you're to like murder somebody, it means that you're in a sense almost murdering God. Not that that person is God, but that that person is a reflection of God. So what you do to that reflection of God uh, is an offense to God, to His Creator, Uh, and to yourself. Because you
1: are participating in the destruction of your own life by causing all these wounds in your own heart from the effect that it has killing another person. You're destroying their life. You're destroying your own life. And you're destroying the very goodness of
0: life that God's created. In that sense, I almost think that Harry Potter actually has a somewhat helpful parable in what Voldemort and the Horcruxes. How does he create Horcruxes? It's a splitting of his soul, which is done through murdering a person. Stolen right out of the Christian worldview. Uh, Yeah, absolutely.
1: And look all around you. This is embedded in the worldview of everyone in one way or another. Not to say that every story reflects a Christian worldview, but in a way it does. Like, every good story does. The oldest story that we have ever found, it's thousands of years old, before the life of Christ from Syria or somewhere, I don't even remember what it's called, but it is a resurrection story of a hero who died and was resurrected to save others the story that God is doing in real life this is what C.S. Lewis says he says it is the I don't know if you know of Joseph Campbell's the hero with a thousand faces but it's the idea that every culture every country creates the same archetypes because in some way all the hero archetype is the same and it Follows the same function. Well, C.S. Lewis took this step further, and he said that's exactly right. And Christianity is the myth became fact because the myth that is written on the human heart of every single person that has told a story since the beginning of time is what God is doing in real life that is being revealed over the course of history. And if you just pay attention like Joseph Campbell did, maybe you can make the leap that C.S. Lewis did to see that this is what we are created for, to participate in the grand myth that became fact, the life of Jesus Christ. That's why we're here.
0: Greatest story ever told. Amen. Amen. Yeah. That's pretty incredible. Pretty incredible. Uh, There's one other passage I thought I'd uh, just read maybe in closing. Uh, Psalm 139. uh, This is starting in verse 13. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made if i would count them they are more than they they are more than the sand i awake and i'm still with you and so the, and he goes on to just ponder uh, the nature of god but i mean here it is you know like he said we can spend a whole life pondering what it means to be made in the image of god and here's just a, a reflection from uh, from the scriptures of what it looks like to ponder that of god who is just intricately involved in our creation he's our creator like I didn't knew nothing about how pregnancy worked. How like I knew nothing about how the baby was formed. But it has blown my mind. Just the little bits I've learned about how a baby's created and what that growth period looks like. And it it is nothing short of a miracle. Like it is a hundred percent. Nothing short.
1: And you can go deeper and deeper into every aspect of human life and you'll find this wealth spring of all this amazing thing that God is doing that I mean we didn't have the technology to understand for thousands of years what we know now and imagine in thousands of years we will be blown away again and again and again until the end of time take any one of these things go to the top of a mountain and just think about it for the rest of your life and you would never exhaust it because it god is inexhaustible he is more than you can ever fathom no matter what you do will always we will never reach the end of our technological abilities because there's always more for god to do always more that we can discover that he's been doing all along and the baby in the womb is a great example of that Every if you look into the deepest knowledge that we know of everything that happens in the womb, every single step of the way, you'll be just blown away. Every single part of it. I have been, and I, everybody that I know has been. The more that they learn about it, just think about it. My wife has two people inside of her body right now. <laughs> I don't to... understand that. Yeah. <laughs> That's that's not a gift that I ever get to participate in, I hope not. but I. <laughs> that's something that I just I love that, and I'll never understand it. I mean, twins is a whole new topic to break open, and that I'm sure. Well, I don't even I know nothing about it.
0: There's two. I don't even know there's two. I don't. It's amazing. It's, it's amazing. amazing. Yeah. Everybody. Yeah. And I think, especially in our culture, like, we can, you know, like you said, we're never going to uh, exhaust our technological abilities, to ha- and we're, we're never even going to, we're just going to keep going down this road of understanding what is happening. But that never rules God out of the picture. Like, the more I've learned about how on earth a baby is created, the more it's like, God, only, only you could do this and you are the one responsible for this. So, the, I mean, that's just exciting to me. I think, you know, the future does not say, well, someday we're gonna to get to an explanation that rules out God. No. <laughs> and I, I think it can be expanded
1: a thousandfold. and this is the last thing that I'll say on it, and this will be a very Catholic thing to say, but imagine that in the God did that in the womb of the Blessed Mother Mary. The Theotokos, she grew God inside of her, made flesh. If you thought pregnancy was amazing, it just became way more amazing. Mary breastfed God. I mean, just think about that. That is an an incredible, think about the amazingness of human life. God entered into that through the life of Mary, into the world, and he participated in it, with, in it with us in the fullest sense. If you don't think yet your life or this child's life has any value, just go and look. God became a single cell embryo and became man, became flesh. A tiny baby, vulnerable baby entrusted to this woman and her husband to take care of him so that he could fulfill the mission that he came here to do. There's nothing more it just
0: I could never expand on that. I could never go deep enough. Yeah, that is it is incredible how God steps into it. he could have just come down as a twenty something, right? Or why not just come down in his early thirties right before the crucifixion? No, his life was more than just his his death and resurrection. He walks he becomes the the better Adam and lives a righteous life on our behalf. And that's why we have this, as Catholics, this
1: fascination with the Holy Mother of God, the Theotokos. She was the one who has entrusted God in her womb to be her son, and to be... She participated in the life of God in a way that nobody else was able to do. That is something that has been I just can't even I couldn't even begin to describe how amazing that is, how much I love that, how much I loved pondering that and what that means about God and how humble he is, how much he loves us, how much he's willing to trust his creation with his very life. if you think about it, he trusts us with his very life by the just by giving us life itself. Because we're all participants in the image of God and the likeness of God.
0: Yeah, maybe to to wrap up, uh, no matter who you are, no matter whether or not you're born with a, a defect, as I think all of us are, just some of them we put on la- we put labels on of autistic or uh, Down syndrome. No matter where we're born. My sister was born in South Korea to parents who didn't want her uh, and has been adopted into a family who wants her. And I mean, that's a whole nother story. I think we could do a podcast on adoption and and I would love that. And and that ties into this for sure. Um, But no matter if you're autistic or even if you don't even get the chance to bring a positive effect uh, and have a positive influence on the world in a way that's visible we're created with a, a value that is just intrinsic. You can be brain dead in a, in a hospital and your life still has value because you are made after the likeness of God himself, the creator himself. Uh, and that is just unbelievably profound and, and I, I just pray for our culture uh, that w- they just abandon uh the idea that we can just be self-made people and have a plan for our lives, and so, uh, be crave that control over your life that they would murder to control uh, their lives. And our our Lord said,
1: "What God has joined together, let no man put asunder." He's talking about marriage in that context. So that applies to the life in your womb. He knitted that child together he united a soul to it and we don't have any right to tear that asunder we don't have any right to separate that soul from that body and kill that child because god is going to do something amazing not only in the life
0: of the child but in your life if you'll allow him to do it i think even on the, the the note of special needs maybe to close up i love the quote that he says as he's pondering really the mystery of God's purpose in his son, even though He maybe, I don't know if he's a Christian or not, uh, maybe he wouldn't say it this way. Uh, Well, no, think of it in those terms, but he says, in thinking about his son, he says, I can think of him and his special needs buddies and everyone else out there like them are giants living among us mere mortals. I think we can say that with a robustly Christian worldview, and just ponder the purposes of God and and see the imago Dei because we know it's there uh, in every human life, and and that's a that's a just a awesome worldview. Like, just changes the way you look at people, uh, and that is what our culture needs. that's what I think all of us need, even as believers. That worldview, you know, needs to just be sunk into our soul more and more to see people and everyone that
1: holds that they just need to know you are so loved and we want something even better than what you are trying to take
0: for yourself amen uh yeah so thanks so much everybody for listening in on this conversation as iron sharpens iron so one man sharpens another